<laughs> welcome one and welcome all. We are here live on Barry's Little Upstream number 91. This one is entitled Radar, as that is the name of a new uh, asset tracking system BlackBerry will be unveiling shortly. Uh, I'm here today with an awesome cast and crew. We've got Brandon Orr, one of our editors at Barry Flow. How you doing, Brandon? What's up? It's going uh, pretty well. Can't complain. Good to, good to see you on, man. I know work's been kind of cray-cray lately, so yeah, for sure. good to see you make it out. We're here as well with Alex Bass of Cyberbytes Inc. How you doing, Alex? Pretty good. Just I hanging out. Oh, actually not so great. <laughs> I feel like you're going to jump in and say something about it. Alex has been blowing up my uh, my BBM with his server nightmare issues he's been going through, trying to keep yeah. Barry Flow up and running. But I we were down for two days, so I was server management guy, and it was not working very well. But we're up now, and it's it's happy. So and literally zero people noticed we were down. So 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 there's that. And last but not least, we have back from his travels abroad, Blaze, editor in chief over at Crackberry. Good to see you uh, back on. How was your travels, Blaze? You make a a safe return home to Canada? I did. I survived, except for, you know, the whole fact that I got, like, a massive head cold during the flight and everything else. But yeah. I'm alive, and, you know, I hate traveling. Everybody always gets excited to go traveling, and I'm like, oh, no, I don't dude. even like traveling. I hate it. I like traveling. I like the opposite of traveling, just like staying in one place, yeah. <laughs> not doing too, too much. Kind of like BlackBerry, but we'll get to that, right? Uh, <laughs> you know, asset tracking is something we literally heard them announce with their BlackBerry IoT platform back in January of 2015, and it's, you know, a year later, you know, over a year later now. Yeah. So really interesting that, you know, we had heard kind of like December 2014, November timeframe that there was going to be a little bit of a... Uh, you know, investment being made in some of these other areas. BlackBerry's BTS, uh, Business Technology Solutions Unit, was looking at expanding on BlackBerry IP and as well some of their security assets to leverage to this kind of IoT initiative. Really, really cool that they're kind of at least now going to start unveiling it with partners and showcasing the depth and reach of this kind of platform. Uh, what do you guys think about BlackBerry leveraging this way? I mean, we just saw them buy up a security consultancy company, Encryption, and now we're leveraging out onto the IoT of asset tracking for automotive and as well shipping and freighting. Uh, just kind of an interesting vertical for them to go at, you know, so early in their transition here. Uh, what are some of your thoughts across the board on whether this is going to be a, a viable kind of alternative for BlackBerry as they continue to expand? I mean, I don't know. I don't know much about the trucking and freight industry, but as far as I know, it's a pretty, pretty you know, robust area to actually be entering. And there's a lot of competition when it comes down to, like, logistics and tracking and stuff like that. So I don't know, like I said, I, you know, I'm not too informed in, you know, on how how competitive that market is and what BlackBerry could actually bring to that market. But from what I do know, it, it has its, uh, you know, potential for them to actually go ahead and get in there if they can provide a solution that is, you know, more robust than some of the other offerings that are out there. Yeah, for sure. Just a uh, just a quick uh, little factoid out there for uh, for all of you. The trucking industry in North America is the industry that employs the most males out of any other industry in North America. I'd like um, to say that's not surprising. <laughs> yeah. 
And so, well, I mean, it's one of those industries that we see BlackBerry dipping their hands into automated vehicles and stuff like that. And 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 the thing that that people kind of are starting to realize is that for automated vehicles to kind of come about, you're going to need some of this big data type of logistics, um, these logistic systems in place to 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 allow that stuff to occur. And, and in the meantime, in the current state that we are in. Um, there's a lot of room for growth for these companies to kind of improve the efficiencies on how they track vehicles, how they track products moving from point A to point B. And so I really think when you look at it in kind of the light and based on their other assets and what they're doing uh, currently with QNX and, and other subsidiaries, it, it really makes a lot of sense that they're moving in this direction because it, it, it's really one of those precursors to to some more things that we'll see in the future with IoT and, and other embedded technologies that they're working on. Yeah, and, and as you mentioned, the transportation industry in the US, it employs 3.6 million people, and that's actually the number one occupation in the US. So it's not surprising that you know it employs the most males. Um, and then actually after that is you know retail salesperson, first line supervisors, cashiers, et cetera. It goes down from there. But the fact that transportation is number one at the top, you see why autonomous driving is such a large focus for all of these companies because they want to try and eliminate the need for that essentially because it's employing the most amount of people. So I yeah. think it's smart that BlackBerry is getting behind that um, in any way, shape, or form. They're getting in on that, on the autonomous driving, kind of experimenting a little bit with that, and then also with what they're doing you know, here. Um, and just like, you know, you, I, I don't necessarily know how competitive this industry is or how, um, what people are currently using, if anything, or, you know, will BlackBerry's system be able to, you know, jump in there and maybe overthrow, I don't know if Cisco or some, what companies are in there right now. I'm sure some major companies are in there doing some type of asset tracking. So the question is, is BlackBerry's system really, um, is it either cheaper, better, more secure? And I guess this is something that will, uh, kind of learn over time as people start comparing them. You'd be, you'd be surprised because I've worked on a few projects in my line of work that deal with uh, freight, um, doing freight surveys and, and truck surveys and things like that. And you'd be surprised at how, you know, how far behind a lot of these trucking yes. companies are. If you exactly. look at like the big companies like Walmart, sure, they're they're kind of more sophisticated in terms of how they track their assets and things like that. Amazon. For the majority of companies, they're just contracted out. And the amount of mm -hmm. tracking, it, it's not really at the level that I think today in the 21st century we would expect it to be at. So I think there is a lot of room for them to move in. It's just whether they can bring that value proposition to a lot of these people who are kind of just happy with the status quo and they're not really looking to change. If, if you take a look at what BlackBerry is actually developing here, right, this is a BlackBerry radar asset tracking system, and it involves a comprehensive suite of things that kind of come together to actually create a service. So obviously they're going to have the management service front end, self-powered devices that are connected to, as well, cloud-based applications. This is, as Brandon mentioned a little earlier, to maximize efficiency, improve productivity, stop theft and increase overall profits. So if you look at kind of asset tracking as it exists today, there are a couple basic kind of obvious things that are used as uh, ways to track assets. Obviously Wi-Fi, IR, Bluetooth, GPS, NFC, RFID. And RFID is one of the most kind of commonplace ones. And again, as Brandon kind of just mentioned, these are technologies that are not that advanced, right? They're kind of basic technologies that are going to plug into software and services that are hosted elsewhere. So it's kind of a lot of the 
uh, different non-cohesive pieces that work together for a lot of the major asset tracking. BlackBerry can now bring in their own security, potentially bring in their own operating system and their entire network infrastructure and allow you know a really comprehensive suite of solutions. And again, we've seen the the power of their their IoT initiative and what the platform can do. They already have things like an API built out for analytic storage, security, and permissions. So now it's building out that kind of business logic showing people what they can make in terms of application modules and then get people innovating on that platform. So I really think there's a potential for them to kind of bring the, the market out of the dark ages and really show people that they can take this up a notch and, and really deliver on a new type of service, whether it's autonomy here or connected this campaign name web design at CyberWise. You're looking at all of our campaigns together. <laughs> Yeah, Alex is totally crashing our show right now with this mute button. <laughs> my, my mute button, it said it was muted. Bro, you know that your mute button barely... No, 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 no. It's a little... Or web design cheat, cheat sheets? <laughs> Hilarious. Alex is doing side business, and we all apologize for his lack of focus tonight. <laughs> Just to put it put it in retrospect, Alex fell out of his chair before we went live, so you know what his situation is like at the present moment. <laughs> we we apologize that Alex is entirely sober for this podcast. <laughs> he's, he's like, let me just disappear right now. <laughs> but ultimately, what they're going to be able to do is work on really regulating the IDs of their different assets, right? They're going to have device management already, which they've got lifecycle management and as well more data intelligence. And all of these things to a large conglomerate or enterprise are definitely going to be valuable add-ons. It's now can they build that in a, on a cohesive kind of broader strategy and make even more money? Because you can, we all see kind of the autonomous driving and all the, you know, all the other potentials that are building up here. It's now laying that foundation, you know? I'm really curious as to how many, like, you know, quote-unquote partners that they have in association with this because, as we know, the the whole, I guess the whole radar thing, let, let's just say that it's radar anyways has essentially been in beta for quite a long period of time since they initially announced Project ION, right? They were basically taking sign-ups for everybody who was interested in their IoT infrastructure at that point in time. So it makes me wonder how many other announcements and partners are essentially going to come out of this as well because it obviously can't just be BlackBerry working on these because that wouldn't make any sense, right? Like, obviously, they have to have some partnership agreements being built and being put in place um, at some point in time, and we're going to start seeing those announcements. And, of course, any announcement that BlackBerry does these days is certainly beneficial to them. So it'll be an interesting... Interesting few months when they actually start rolling out some of this stuff and you know making some of those announcements because you know from from us looking in on it it's it's basically going to be a whole new sort of aspect of BlackBerry like obviously the majority of us here are, are coming from like their phones you know we were are essentially fans of their phones but this is something totally different and something totally new that BlackBerry you know thus far hasn't necessarily dove into, right? Yeah. So it's going to be totally interesting over the next little while to find out what comes of it all. Yeah, yeah I feel kind of conflicted about it all because, like, th this passion that I think all of us kind of share with BlackBerry has definitely grown over the years from their hardware and their software and things. And 
um, I, it's kind of tough to be really passionate about asset tracking. Now, yeah. maybe if I ran a company that we used that and or I saw the use of it, like, it's just nothing I can really get excited about right now. So I think you might, may have even seen, like if you go back and watch some older episodes of Upstream, um, I'm sure we were maybe more optimistic or, or maybe more excited to talk about various things. And you'll probably see that same excitement happen depending on what we're talking about. But it's really difficult to get really excited about this kind of stuff. Um, so Black Grace yeah, is changing, yeah. and I think we're going to have to change and adapt with it as well. They're just I don't even have my damn driver's license, let alone a license to drive a truck that could yeah. use <laughs> You know what I mean? Yeah. It's one of those things as well that it's like, you know, what are we going to do? You know, pander on about a new cell phone every four months, and it's it's a very narrow conversation. Whereas with BlackBerry, that kind of marginal focus for them is not where they're going to be making money. It's expanding on this kind of broader connectivity because BlackBerry security can't be marginalized to one piece of hardware, right? That's a poor business model for them. Yeah. Obviously, one that's been failing in the last five years. So they need to expand. I'm, I want to read you guys a little portion of uh, a, a piece from BlackBerry's BTS last year, and it talks about kind of the, the more specifics on this. So, you know, this is a quote from uh, Dr. Oh, God, his last name. <laughs> I, might, I might just not say it. <laughs> but, again, the gentleman who's heading their um, BTS business unit, you can fix it to containers that carry highly valuable goods, and since it has GPS, sensors, a cellular modem, it can measure temperature, humidity, pressure, and movement. It can also figure out the location if someone has opened a door or cargo levels in a container and send data securely to the cloud. So again, this is a pretty robust thing. They've basically taken a cell phone and scaled it back and rebuilt for a different purpose. You know, it's not fancy. It doesn't run, you know, Instagram or Spotify, but it basically operates on the same kind of core platform. So this is that reconstitution of potentially BlackBerry 10, right? We're not 100% sure whether it's running a QNX-based operating system or how it's doing all this communication, but you can see now they're leveraging things like the Certicom patents, right? They're leveraging things yeah. like the, the RF antenna tuning from Paratech, and they're taking a lot of these assets and bringing them together in a new way. So a yep. lot of those same basic things that we saw from QNX and from some of their early smartphones, you know, that kind of cartography and Project Ion goodness is being brought over, and we're seeing the fruition yeah. of those. And, and James, you brought up a really interesting point there when you're talking about, you know, this this new strategy that BlackBerry is doing. I call it new, but it's really over a year old strategy that they're that they're that we're kind of seeing the fruits of their labor now. Um, but really, like when you think of a mobile device, yeah, it's flashy and it, and it's and, and for the end user, it's something that's very real and very tangible for them to, to touch and feel. But in reality, what BlackBerry is doing now with a lot of this, this embedded in IoT technology is they're really fundamentally changing the way the world is going to function in the future. And that's something that it's not necessarily going to be at the end user level that's going to necessarily be front and center, but it's really going to be something that's going to be in the back-end infrastructure behind a lot of these new things that come out in the future that are going to fundamentally fundamentally change the way that we we live, the way that we we interact with our city, the way that we uh, receive our goods. Um, it's a whole bunch of different things that, you know, BlackBerry right now is laying the foundation uh, for that stuff to progress. And I think that's something that's that we have to give credit to BlackBerry. It's not the flashiest thing right now. I mean, me personally, I'm a huge BlackBerry fan, but when I see this stuff, it's it's a lot of this, yeah, that stuff's very important, but as someone, you know, it's not necessarily the flashiest thing or the most 
you know, riveting thing to talk yeah. about. But but when you look at it in the broad scheme of things, it is very, it is actually a very important thing. And <laughs> it very, doesn't get the people, people going. going. Yeah, it is a very <laughs> fascinating thing that they're doing here. And 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 I'm sure when we look back on this in like five years, even we're gonna be like, you know. So much came out of this, and we didn't even know that this stuff was going to eventually come out of all the mm-hmm. stuff that BlackBerry's doing. And I have a feeling that's what's going to happen. And it's just uh, you brought up a good point there, uh, James, about how you know they're working on this connected stuff, and it's not necessarily tied to like the one handset. Just when you, Brandon, like when you said when we look back on it, I think looking back is actually something that a lot of us tend to forget to do. Is <laughs> Because if you look back at a lot of those experimental videos that BlackBerry put out in the early days, they were talking about this stuff for a long period of time, and everybody was like, oh, that, you know, that's basically like, you know, it's just a concept video, that's pie in the sky kind of crap. But when you look back on those videos, I don't know, let's say like four or five years ago, they were, they were already laying some of the groundwork for that stuff. Like they already had those ideas in those concept videos. And it was something that, like, the, the 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 dashboards, like the navigational dashboards and stuff like that, where they appear on your on your window and and all of those things were, you know, again we looked at them like, you know, that's kind of crazy. It's just like a concept thing. We'll never see that in reality. But that's the thing. Like that's that's how far yeah. they're progressing, and that's how long that they've actually been thinking about some of this stuff. Mm-hmm. It's really kind of crazy to actually think about that. Like. Like I said, a lot of a lot of people don't go back well, and look what, at those perspectives, but that's exactly what they were thinking long ago. <laughs> one one thing that I always tell people that trips them out nowadays is that I'm like, they're like, oh, autonomous vehicles or this or that is like ten years or thirty years away, and I'm like, you do realize that only five years ago, BlackBerry was the number one smartphone, right? Only five years ago, more people had Blackberries than any other any other smartphone, and when you put it in that light, people are kind of like holy shit, this stuff moves very quickly. And I think a lot of people like to think that things move slower than they actually do. But I think now we're living in exponential times that looking back even at how things progressed five or ten years ago isn't a fair comparison because, you know, things are just developing and the competition is just getting more globalized and there's more people in the field working on this stuff. And I think it's, uh, yeah, like you said, uh, plays it's a, a lot of people don't look back enough, but it's it's also one of those things that it's it's nice to look back, but it's also we never know what's going to come in the future. I, I do definitely want to stress, as Blaze did, that this is something they've been brewing and thinking about for a long time, and the fact that they have you know over seventy patents just relative to the gentleman who's piloting this program for them. Mr. Sandeep, it shows that they have a lot of leverage here to really deliver. And I think at the end of the day, an asset tracking system is a messaging system. It's just like BBM, kind of from a core, core level, right? It's sending notifications at the right time. So, you know, what they're talking about here is, you know, you can set up your own geofences so that a company knows its tax jurisdiction have been crossed. If someone opens the door, you know, to a crucial container, that that kind of sensitivity in, of data will be there. For a logistics manager, it saves time as money and allows them to work more cleverly to 
manage these assets. Another piece in this interview that was given out, it is a rugged weatherproof box. It has an IP67 security rating and a built-in battery that can easily last five years. So again, this is kind of a robust piece of kit scaled down to really deliver on this type of service. The box could be used to track a very expensive car or use it to track children or police cars. Uh, he, they went after specifically the logistics market and the trucking industry because there's a massive 177 million trucks and the uses from there could be even more varied. But, um, but, but also just because they're doing the trucking industry, you know, the second you get into the trucking industry, in reality you're not just in the trucking industry, you're mm -hmm. in the shipping industry in total. Like yeah. you can, because a lot yeah. of trucks Containers and trucks go on to boats, go on to airplanes, go on to trains. So getting that foothold, I mean, okay, there's always this stat where people are like 80% of goods are shipped by a train in North America, but 100% of those 80% are shipped by truck to get to their final destination, mm -hmm. to get to the store from whatever the, the train yard. And, and it's like trucking is just one aspect, but reality, once you're in the trucking industry, in reality, you're just, you're really in the entire shipping industry, and that's a yeah. good area to focus on right now. It's more so the container. Yeah. <laughs> the container is like the doorway to everything at that exactly. point. Exactly. You know, it, this is weird because this is very B2B, and you're not going to see, like, commercials for this on TV, and I wonder if, like, you know... No, nor would you see it for anything else. Well, that's, well that's the thing, but people people might be like, okay, now that BlackBerry is finally starting, you know, to do this again, uh, we better see some advertising from them. Well, you're very likely not the core audience, so you'll probably never see... Their advertising, like on TV, or maybe the sites that you visit, or wait, wait, um, you, didn't, you didn't see BlackBerry Super Bowl commercial over about Radar? You didn't, you didn't see that one. <laughs> it was no, right boy. after the Doritos and before the Tostitos yeah. commercial. <laughs> no, it's tough. Like they're gonna have to totally change the way they advertise. Even like I'm, I know they don't really advertise. We, we like to make that joke and things, but you know. It really is probably them going into these big businesses and saying, you know, try our product for free for like six months, or and here's how, and we'll train you on it. Here's how you use it. Here's how it's better than what you're currently using. It's gonna be very hands-on. I think they've been beta testing since November of last year. The for the free month of trial is actually like you know 13 months. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you look at how BlackBerry's gonna go sell something like this, and they've even thought about that, right? They they basically. They want to sell everything related to the box from the hardware, the cloud service, and even the smartphone app all as through a subscription model so that you kind of have variance between the different markets where there's going to be sensitivity on you know, taxes and different things like that. So again, very interesting model for them because, of course, we've seen them on the software side want this reoccurring type of revenue and business stream. So again, playing right into their kind of wheelhouse on the software services side. You know, I'm excited to see this. Uh, the event in, in question that they're going to be going to is the... Let me go to crack very real quick. Mid-America Trucking Show, and that will happen, uh, takes place March 31st to April 2nd at the Kentucky Exposition Center in Louisville. And I think that alone be... speaks mm -hmm. towards like, the advertising aspect of it. Who even knew that there was a trucking show, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like... <laughs> Supposedly, it's like huge. Like this is one of the biggest yeah. <laughs> trucking shows, like period. So the BlackBerry will be at the North Hall uh, 16228, they will be over there in a booth, so definitely go check out. And basically, they're going to be showing off uh, how BlackBerry can help your business manage with a completely integrated solution, again, to cover those bases that we have just covered. So really cool, again, that they are leveraging themselves into this new area. You know, once they get the kind of... Uh, 
the, the pragmatism done here and, and the business uh, logic all set in place, this is something that leverages into other verticals very easily, right? Because it's a box, right? It's now where can I put the box? How can I sell it? And it's so broad of a potential market for them, they could literally do it across the board. And I know with it from a power and security perspective as well that BlackBerry signatures for security are going to be shorter and take less power and memory. So this is going to be a very cheap device but a very secure one as well. So everyone was wondering where that low-end device was coming. Well, here it is. It's literally just a box, you know? <laughs> it is a Z3 with no screen, more or less. <laughs> so next up on our docket here, we wanted to discuss a little bit about BlackBerry hosting a mobility summit on April the 6th. So again, you know, we're all starving for BlackBerry events and different meetups and things like that, but they are happening out there. They're very tailored to specific yes. markets. Um, C CIOs, CTOs, and CSOs come learn about BlackBerry's software and services and have the ability to d talk directly with the experts. That is going to be happening April 6th at the Netherlands Institute of Sound and Vision. So really some interesting things going on there, showing off their acquisitions and really showing off how they're leveraging into a broader platform. We're looking at good technology, products and services. We're looking at secure file sharing and DRM with Watchdocs and mass communication alerting with ad hoc. So really cool, again, bringing some leaders together, networking with, you know, hundreds of people in that kind of uh, market, and then showing off, you know, the latest demos from partners and things like that. You know, maybe Dr. Oz will be there with ShareCare uh, posting on the BBM channel. <laughs> <laughs> I have too, too much fun with uh, with ShareCare's uh, right. stuff. With but you can go ahead and uh, check out CrackBerry. I've got a link over there to register for that summit if you're interested in going. Um, it's also, you know, also interesting to note that this, this particular summit isn't the only summit that they've done. They've done several of the actual summits. Like, you know, uh, I believe they actually have like a dedicated site set up for the ones that are happening in Germany. And um, for some reason, they, they all apparently seem to be like based around like Europe for now, which, I don't know, I just found that rather interesting because of, you know, some of the, the landscape when it comes to, like, their devices and stuff like that. We don't necessarily hear a ton of action coming out of Europe in terms of their devices, but it seems rather interesting that they're putting their enterprise focus directly within Europe, so... Definitely. I, I like at least that they are putting in the groundwork and being social still. I mean, it's very very kind of stringent now, enterprise focus, but you still need to get out, you still need to have those networking events so that people can talk and share and give feedback on your products and services, right? And that, that'll help you build them out and as well showcase that, okay, we have new things as well. It's not, you know, that previous kind of perception that you had about us. We actually do offer new and more and better things as we continue going out. And talking about new, more, and better, it rolls us right into news about BlackBerry Priv and BlackBerry continuing to be an expert expectations on the security patches for the device. Um, BlackBerry's blog post kind of lays it out as, as easy as anything else, right? BlackBerry is the first OEM to deliver patches in line with Google's public disclosures, closing the window of vulnerability to and exposure to customers. Other mobile device vendors can take weeks, months, or even years to deliver these security patches, leaving you and obviously your business potentially at risk. BlackBerry's commitment to timely security updates is just one of the many reasons why BlackBerry continues to be undisputed leader in mobile privacy and security. I find this one kind of an interesting little bit of news for them to tout because it's almost like one of those obvious things, right? Like why wouldn't BlackBerry be on top of the security of their devices? But at the same point, I think it's one thing that they're working with someone else's OS. They're working with carriers around the world to push these updates. Yeah. And they're leveraging probably their own assets and security um, 
excuse me, security network to get these updates out there. So I wonder what the kind of negotiation is to make these security updates happen in a timely manner. Is it something that you know they've, they've got contracts already written with the carriers to just push these, or are they pushing it themselves through their own network? And we've seen kind of a delay between the carrier version and the shop Blackberry version. So is it maybe a combination of those things all together? Just really interesting because, again, we've seen them roll out updates very, very quickly on Google Play and the device when needed. Mm -hmm. um, and they can also obviously hot flash the devices to bring in those hot fixes for security as well. What but do you guys I, think about? Because we have other you know other OEMs pushing Marshmallow, right? But not necessarily covering the security holes. So it's an interesting kind of update scenario when we look at the OS as a I whole. I think it's I think it's important for BlackBerry to actually go ahead. Like it, there's not too many times when I sit back and I think, you know, good job BlackBerry. You did good by toting your own capability there. Like you know, there's sometimes that they they put stuff out there and it's like, really, you didn't like. Why did you even bother mentioning that? Like you didn't have to mention that, right? But the proof run Spotify. Yeah, like <laughs> the majority of people know that, and I know, I get it. It creates content. It creates you know awareness that it's not BlackBerry 10. It's running Android now, and I totally, I totally understand as to why they do those things because I mean, let's be realistic. We do the exact same thing on CrackBerry at times as well. It's obvious that these apps run Android, and it's an Android device, but still, it creates awareness and it brings new people in. But this thing, this particular thing, when it comes to the security updates, I genuinely don't believe that BlackBerry gets enough credit for actually maintaining them. Even, even though they've only been doing this for a short period of time, I don't believe that they get enough credit for actually doing so. And when they actually, you know, when they start toting it themselves, because, again, let's be realistic, nobody else is going to tote this fact. Like, you know, nobody... No Engadgets, no Verges, no, nobody else is going to go out of their way to you know, pat BlackBerry on the back. They sort of need to really do it on, on their own. And you know, they've, they've been consistent with it at this point, and they really do deserve the, the attention that they get, um, you know, even if it is minimal at this point. And hopefully by doing these particular blog posts and other people reiterating it for them, you know, such as the fans like on CrackBerry, on BerryFlow, and on the even Twitter on, accounts, right, on, whatever our Android, for instance, they posted about the March security update, and yeah. everyone was talking about, you know, BlackBerry and Priv, his, it got that out pretty much immediately, and people were actually commenting on there, and it had a lot of upvotes. They were like, yeah. you know, BlackBerry's really been consistent with this. They've literally been right there with Nexus, and it's actually kind of a big deal, because maybe it'll make Samsung, you know, get their shit into gear and actually get going with that. Like, yeah. they're hoping that it will actually affect the other players, and it makes them consider it more. So, yeah. aside, like, really at this point, I, I, I genuinely feel, if they were to be able to promptly get out these major updates in addition to this, so they could be another carrier, essentially a third-party carrier, unlike Nexus, that pushes out immediate security updates and immediate like major software updates. I think they could be like a big player in this industry again because you know Samsung and these other companies they don't give a crap about it. They're very slow and they, it's not important to them. Yeah, and people are realizing that now. They, yeah. they, you know, it, there has been. Uh, an essential security focus over the past little while. And before, you know, it, the common thing was, yeah, BlackBerry does security, but realistically nobody cares about security. But at the same time, people do. If they don't have those updates, you know, then they start wondering, like, why aren't these updates being pushed? So, you know, kudos to BlackBerry for actually being able to push those out there. Um, the, only, the only downside um, 
well, perceived downside, depending on how you actually look at it, really. At this point, when it comes to the actual update schedule and the security update schedule and everything like that, is that, you know, there's still that lingering thought like, hey, you know, you guys haven't pushed out Marshmallow yet, which is, you know, for some people it's problematic. For others, you know, I, you know, most some people just don't care because of the fact that they're still getting their security updates. Like, you're getting the majority of it, you're just not getting some of the features that actually come with the Marshmallow update. Um, so, you know, that's that's one particular side of it, but, you know, people are, are split on that avenue because of the fact that, yeah, you're getting security updates, but you still don't have Marshmallows. When's Marshmallow coming? Like, we're seeing yeah, Android and you, and N And you know now, right so. now, Blackberry's, Blackberry's messing around with Android N, so it's like, <laughs> yeah, you know, at, at this point, it, it's one of those things where, is it more beneficial for them to work with the carrier partners on just getting the device in market first and then worry about the OS? Because honestly, like you said, the security updates are coming through, and that really is going to satisfy my basic needs, right? I mean, yeah. the, the jump from Marshmallow, you know, from Olipop to Marshmallow, in terms of features, doesn't bring me too, too much, right? Those the app permissions are like the two things front runner. And that's because we come from like the BlackBerry kind of side of things, right? Whereas another user may like, you know, Double tapping on the square button to, for multitasking, you know, <laughs> as, as a feature of you know Marshmallow that they really appreciate. But for us, you know, it's not going to affect us too too much on the, yeah. on the overall side. I do like to see here on the updates that BlackBerry's got like zero days of wait, right? Yeah. Uh, between their OM OEMs, which just shows to go shows to go <laughs> goes to show you that BlackBerry is basically ahead of all these updates. You know, whether Google's announcing it or not, they they know about the fixes that need to happen. They are looking at these things and have these fixes literally ready to go, so that when Google makes the public announcement, BlackBerry's already got the fixes and that they can just go ahead and publish. There's no Okay, Google's letting us know now. Let's fix it. It's oh, we fixed it already. Google's made it public. Now let's let's patch it, right? Yeah, I mean, it's been more more than one time now that they've actually issued the update before Google has publicly mm -hmm. announced it. I mean, they know that they know that it's coming because you know at the end of the day, the updates are actually coming from Google themselves. But yeah. Google pushes them out, I think, a month prior to to everyone that has yeah. like they'll push it to Samsung, BlackBerry, everyone. The question is, well, why is BlackBerry doing this immediately? And that means Samsung, you've had a month to implement <laughs> this, and you didn't do it. Like it's it's kind of embarrassing for the other companies, especially when it comes to like flagship devices. Like yeah. you should have your flagship updated for sure. Yeah. I think BlackBerry doesn't get enough credit for this just because that's their shtick, right? Their shtick is that they're the security company. And if they're not on top of security, it's almost yeah. it's almost like a given that they have to do this uh -huh. because if not if they're not doing this, what's that value value proposition really yeah. thing about the device, that's right? A point. I mean, that's one of the value added things about getting a Priv is these updates, right? Getting a BlackBerry Android device is these updates. So if you're not getting these updates, um, I mean it almost brings to light people questioning, you know, why do I have this device? And so I think it's, I, I don't necessarily think that they're not getting credit. I think they're just, it's not as big of a deal yeah. just because I think people that buy a BlackBerry Priv have a certain standard and expectation of the company. And I think this falls perfectly in line, and rightly so, it should, uh, that these security patches would be pushed fairly quickly. And I think that's a testament, though, to BlackBerry's security focus and, and kind of their history. Uh, that people have such high regard and such high expectations for them to to push these things out in a timely manner. That's a good point. Yeah.
Yeah, I mean, they got that security update faster than Alex could fix Barry Flow, so <laughs> kudos to them. Alex, like, broke it. Alex, Alex uh, fixed it. It broke. He fixed it again. It broke. Yeah. <laughs> well, fill us in on this last little bit of news as we close out this uh, area of the podcast. Uh, you know, we've got some autoloaders for Priv, which seems like one of those crazy, crazy things to see BlackBerry actually putting out there. Can you talk a little bit about why this exists, what the files are, and kind of how, how they work? Well, essentially, I mean, it exists because, you know, there are people out there who, who like to go ahead and refresh their devices and get a, get a fresh start, and, you know, that's one of the reasons why they put them out there. Of course, there's always that, that situation where something could essentially go wrong with your device as well, where... You know, a manufacturer reset may not necessarily um, do the trick on it. There's, you know, all the, all of those certain aspects. And just, you know, whatever happens with, like, a BlackBerry 10 device. Um, everybody uses autoloaders on BlackBerry 10 devices. Um, granted, it's mostly for leaks when it comes to autoloaders on BlackBerry 10. Right. But, <laughs> the only time know. I'm using an autoloader on BlackBerry 10 was to get, like, blend yeah, early. exactly. <laughs> and it still but didn't work. <laughs> it's, it's one of those things where, you know, it's just... It, it's, really a general practice to be able to go ahead and provide your users with the operating system that is essentially loaded on their device already in case things do go wrong. Um, I did find it absolutely hilarious that, you know, some people some people are, were literally complaining about the fact that BlackBerry had released the OSs. Like, why do you have to release the OSs? The device is only a few months old. Is there that much wrong with it? Well, not, no, that's not the scenario at all. Um, you know, it's just a common courtesy for users to be able to go ahead and reload their OS if they don't feel comfortable or they don't have the capability to use a manufacturer reset. Um, so essentially, the what they did release was one operating system for all non-US carriers. So if you're not on a US carrier, you have that one singular operating system file that you can download. If you're on T-Mobile, AT&T, or Verizon, then you have your own dedicated operating system. Um, that you can download and reload onto your device um, should you find it necessary or ever need to do so. Um, it's really good that they actually went ahead and, and put them out there. Uh, you know, it's not going to change anything on your device. You know, you can't load one operating system and get more out of it than what you would if you, you know, switched a different operating system or anything like that. But, you know, if should something go wrong or should you want to clear off your device in a, in a more secure way, you have the ability to do so, and it's all... It's all fairly easy. I was actually surprised at, you know, the the simplicity of how it all works because, you know, I've had HTC devices in the past, and HTC actually makes you download, like, the full operating system, um, and then you have to use, essentially, their programs to be able to go ahead and do it. They didn't have, like, Mac loaders or anything like that, whereas when BlackBerry released the, the autoloaders for the Priv, they work on Mac, they work on Windows, and, you know, it's all fairly easy, and everything is bundled inside the package itself, and they laid everything out really some simple. Um, the instructions are easy to follow, and, you know, again, should you find a need to actually use them, they're there, and that's, that's good, because not a lot of OEMs actually put them out there, or when they do, the process is incredibly complicated, and, you know, more so than what it should be for end users. So, at the end of the day, I mean, I think it's a good a good thing that they actually put them out there. Um, the only thing so, that so basically, so, so basically how this works is I'm going to download the zip file, right? I'm going to download the OS. I'm going to plug in my priv via USB. It's going to install some drivers, 
and then I get to press and hold the power button, volume up and down 30 seconds. It'll go into the fast boot mode, and then I can use the volume rockers to then make a selection on how I want to re yep. reboot the device. Yeah, and then from it's, there, it's way more do it security way. Way more intuitive than how it was on a BlackBerry 10, that's for sure. Yeah. Uh, you know, puts the users in a little bit more control. You're not waiting for that green light to stay on or start flashing <laughs> or anything. And, you know, I want I want to make some clarity here. This is not an autoloader for BlackBerry 10 on the priv. I got, I, I got those BBMs, guys. I got those BBMs. <laughs> it's not. I'm sorry. They're like, autoloaders for priv, finally. No, it's not. The, inter not, the interesting not thing that I did find is though, that the autoloaders that they did release are, for the most part, they're based on older operating systems. So, like, I think the T-Mobile one was from like the January update itself, mm -hmm. um, and the other's February, and then yeah, yeah, they they're not they don't they they didn't package them up with like the already existing March updates or anything like that, which I found interesting. But at the same time, and also, I don't I don't want to put the notion in people's heads that you know you're going to see leaks now because of the fact that BlackBerry essentially load opened the doors to the auto loaders, but. That kind of is the situation. Um, you know, if the autoloaders do appear, you will essentially be able to go ahead and load them onto your device if they happen to, you know, quote-unquote leak early or anything like that. Um, and we have seen some photos floating around in the CB forums and in other areas, and we've Priv's running Marshmallow. Yeah, know, and photos beta taken form. <laughs> yeah, in a beta form. And, and really, those things have been around for months now, right, really. I mean, Marshmallow's been in in the OEM hands for quite a while now, since last year, actually. So, you know, to, to say we're, we're, we're going to be waiting a long time for this, uh, this Marshmallow update is probably a little bit uh, nascent. It, it's interesting because, you know, we have BlackBerry 10.3.3 coming at the end of this month, question mark. You know, it should be coming fairly, fairly soon, if not end of March, early April. It'd be interesting if they updated the entire hardware platform with VB10 updates, with, you know, updates for Priv, kind of all going out the door at the same time, or at least, you know, close to each other yeah, in, a, nice. in a release cycle. Because then at least they can kind of focus and get the expectation right, you know. If we're going to see these updates, they're going to come in succession in a certain way. So it would be interesting to see whether we're going to see kind of a, a unified launch of, of the operating systems for, for the you know, respective devices, or whether we're going to see, you know, a Marshmallow Priv specific for this and, you know, BlackBerry 10 specific for that. So I'm definitely looking forward to some of those updates because I know uh, BlackBerry 10 just needs some love at this point. <laughs> Lots of love, actually. But <laughs> you, you know, I pick, I pick it up still, you know, like every other day, and it's still such a darn good operating system. Like I feel more connected to my notifications on BB10, whereas on Android, like, you know, Alex will BBM me and I'll ignore it, you know, on yeah. accident as opposed to purposefully I'll ignore them yeah. on BB10. So... You know, it's it's kind of sad. I, I can't put a lot of uh, malice into ignoring Alex on my Android. <laughs> I don't get it's the notification. It's actually frustrating using, like, iOS because I have an iPad. And it's frustrating dealing with notifications on my iPad uh, when I've been using BlackBerry 10 for so long because it's just so intuitive and easy to, like, respond to things right then and there. And with iOS, I find it's just so so much so much more clunky. In the sense that you gotta keep going in and out of apps, it doesn't have the app, the the hub and stuff like that. It's just one of those things, you know. I'm 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 trolling Twitter and, and you know looking at BlackBerry 10 fans, you know, moving over to Priv and some of their initial concerns, and half of them are turning things like the hub off, 
You know, they're, they're yeah. disabling DTAC, hiding it off in like, you know, some virtual corner. And it's, it's, it's a shame because I really like the Priv as an Android device, but I still wish it was BB10. Like, I really feel like BB10 on this type of hardware would just be, it'd be like my ideal device. And yeah, I wish it, you know, I can't I get wish it was BB10, it. but I wish it was improved BB10, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, I totally agree. And supported BB10, you know, and like a, a growing BB10. No yeah. doubt. No <laughs> doubt. I will say, though, I have seen, like, I don't know, I, I, I won't say a large amount, but I will say a fair amount of people who have, in the past, basically said that, like, no, I'm, I'm never switching to a Priv because it's Android. I, I have seen a fair amount of people actually pick up a Priv and start using it, and, you know, once they actually get into the ecosystem, they're like, yeah... I this can't. was the right move, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's, it's one of those things as well where if you, you know, BlackBerry, a lot of people I've heard say, you know, oh, the S7 Edge is out, you know, F the Priv, blase, blase, and it's like, you know, it's funny because the size difference between the S6 and the S7 is basically the Priv, right? I think there's like 0.1 of an inch difference on the screen. And obviously, you know, Samsung's going to have the latest kind of dual-curve screens available for their devices, and the devices are very, you know... Uh, metallic and things like that, and a lot of the kind of qualms and things that people don't like about Samsung devices are fixed on Priv. So, for instance, Samsung has the, uh, <laughs> I hate Samsung, Samsung has the, the multitasking buttons and the back buttons switched on their devices for some reason, where basically everyone else is using kind of the, you know, triangle, circle, square as back home and, and recess. And Samsung just does their own thing with their own capacitive buttons, right? So, again, if that's a qualm for you and you want more of that stock Android experience, you know, maybe a Priv is something you're more inclined to. If you don't like the fingerprint attracting, very glossy, slippy back of a Samsung S7 or S6 Edge or S7 Edge, you get a Priv. Again, it's got that really nice grippy back. Or if you just don't like TouchWiz. <laughs> yeah, if you, if you think TouchWiz is garbage, which... It's not even called TouchWiz anymore, but whatever, you know. It's still <laughs> Samsung. Uh, you know, a lot of those qualms are squashed on the Priv. And, again, another qualm, right? Samsung's speakers face down, right? Priv's face toward you, you know. Those small little things, right? Not even HTC is doing the boom sound anymore on what looks like on their kind of flagship devices. So there's a lot of things that Priv... Again, people are going to take for granted, right? The fact that the Samsung S7 Edge is now bringing in expandable SD and things like that, it's like, well, Priv already had that months before, right? So there's really, like, so many points you can compare, but there's also many points, that, you know, Priv still stands on its own. And it's one of those devices that I don't think it's launching late on Verizon. I think it's really kind of launching right at the right time as the devices, the hardware manufacturing, and everything's settled out, and now they can really start driving on, you know, the increased production of these devices. And, and I'm hoping they get it out there, uh, you know, as readily as they can. And you know, I don't want to, I don't want to jinx ourselves here, but some marketing would be nice, just a, just a little bit of marketing. Well, there's marketing in India. I've seen a commercial in India. I swear. You went to India. Guy, you went to India to watch the commercial. No, no, there was a, there was some guy in the uh, in the forums who was watching TV and he lived in India and he saw a BlackBerry Passport or, or BlackBerry Priv commercial. Unfortunately, it was the one with the creepy robot lady, but you know, at least it was yeah, advertising. <laughs> what I the only thing that I would really like to see now, now that the S7. Uh, edge and stuff like that is out and obviously we're going to start seeing more devices because LG is rolling out the G5. I would like to see a price drop on it. Like, they need to do something in terms of the price because the price is still holding a lot of people back. 
um, you know, they're they're constantly going to be compared to every new device that essentially comes out. And if their pricing isn't on par, it, I mean, it doesn't even have to be a long-term sale. I'm not saying like drop it for you know ever, but at least drop it for like a month or two so that some more people can get the proof in their hands and if, you know feel if you want to read between the lines it. here. If you want to read in between the lines, Blaze has some gifts he needs to buy, and uh, <laughs> he needs a discount or two so he can go get them. It, it's funny because um, they do have that you know buying direct from BlackBerry thing now. I wonder what the kind of volume discounts you get. You know, is it you got to buy ten devices or more or, or yeah. what? Because uh, you know they are working to make sure these devices sell. Uh, and it's it's very interesting to see Priv now kind of coming into its own. I think. Whereas it was kind of like on an island all on its own. And I think it's it's starting to be more respected, as you were kind of mentioning, Blaze, in the whole kind of overarching BlackBerry hardware lineup. It's just crazy to kind of see. I can I know that wall at BlackBerry HQ, right, with all the different various handsets, you know, from the original to the playbook to the BB-10, the Passport, and now adding Priv up on there. It's just kind of been a crazy roller coaster of a history, especially the last couple of years as we've kind of transitioned. It's always interesting to kind of see, and again, as we talked about earlier, look back on where we've been to kind of understand where we're going. Uh, Alex, for you, are you happy with Priv? If you were to get a Priv 2, what are some things you'd do to make it better? I mean, what are some of the, the, the things holding you back from potentially, you know, looking at another device? So if, if BlackBerry were to bring something else out, what would you want to see? I think it's really difficult for me at this point to not go to a device that has a physical keyboard. So I am highly hoping for a Priv 2, and I guess the question would be, well, what are you looking for in Priv 2? Um, really just better specs, because Android, I have I have problems from here, uh, from time to time, I guess. Um, <laughs> highly hoping. I, I just kind of think that there needs to be more RAM, better processor, because, like, Android, it, it lags at times, and we kind of chalk that up to maybe because the device is fully encrypted, but I know that you can use a little bit more RAM, especially like when you have Chrome open on the phone. Chrome is a RAM hog on desktop just as it is on mobile, so you need a lot of RAM. Um, so I want more RAM, I want better processor, I just want better internals. And similar device, um, though, the physical keyboard on my phone, I like it a lot, whereas I've used some other privs, family members' privs, and their physical keyboard doesn't feel as clicky as mine, and it's a little bit frustrating to use some of theirs. So really just quality, consistency, maybe a little bit improved um, kind of physical design, make, make it so everyone's keyboard feels as nice as mine feels, you know, and then maybe people use it more, because I have some friends that have the priv, they don't even use the physical keyboard. Yeah, maybe Why it's because you in. Maybe it's because you I, I had um I had a phone before this. This is my second Priv. The first yes. one, the keyboard didn't feel that great. This one feels good. And then I got a third replacement, and I didn't end up going with the replacement because the keyboard didn't feel as good as this one did. And it they were it wasn't even worked in. It's just I like I I blindfolded myself, flipped around the phones, and I was able to identify the keyboard. They're both brand new phones, and I was able to identify them. So I it was like I don't know. It's just consistent. I totally. So I'm looking at an Android Central post right now from, let's go back here. I'm looking at the Android Central post from February 25th of 2015, and the, the article is by uh, Russell, and it's how does Android Lollipop's encryption affect me? And as he as he goes through, he actually 
put full disk encryption on a Nexus 5 um, running Lollipop 5.0.1, and he actually saw a 40% slower um, disk read and write on the unencrypted, uh, excuse me, on the encrypted device versus the unencrypted. So, you know, obviously there's a trade-off between security and performance. It's how BlackBerry on their devices can manage the two so that you get kind of the best of both worlds. I'm really hoping, you know, forthcoming updates such as Marshmallow iron some of that out for you, Alex, so that maybe RAM isn't something you need to, to be, you know, eating away at your battery all the time. Um, what about uh, you, Blaze, on a Priv 2 type device? Is there something else you'd like? Is Are you with Alex, better specs, bigger, better um, device, you know, different keyboard, or, or what are you leaning to? Yeah, I mean, really... I just simply want better specs. I mean, that's almost a given for any time an update ever actually comes out for any device. And Unless will, it's a BlackBerry 10 device because they sold yeah. the same hardware for, for exactly. a year now. <laughs> I will never say no to more RAM because I think RAM at this point in time, what is it, we've reached like 4 gigabytes of RAM in devices. I pretty much think anything less than 4 gigabytes at this point is, you know, it's, just, it's not really ideal anymore, especially given the way that Android operates and stuff like that. So, I mean, 4 gigabytes of RAM in a device would be sufficient. I don't want 3. Um, I want to see some more software improvements. And we know that BlackBerry has has essentially been continuously improving, like the hub and the calendar and the contacts and all that stuff on the priv, but I still don't think that it's necessarily um, up to par with some of the stuff no. that actually comes from BlackBerry 10. Like, the hub just simply doesn't operate the way that it does on BlackBerry 10. And for me, it, it operates in a level which is sufficient, but it doesn't excel. Like, you know, I mean, I still, I want the BlackBerry 10 hub on Android. And totally. at the end of the day, I don't think, I don't think that it's necessarily fully possible to be able to go ahead and get the BlackBerry 10 hub, but I do believe that, that there's still plenty Plenty. It could, get, it could get closer, right? Yeah, so, there's there's plenty of room for improvement. Let me take a look at on, on how I've got my Priv set up. I've got just the basic application screen here, and as I scroll over, I've got widgets, right? I've got a Feedly widget. I've got a Weather widget. I also have a BBM Channels app icon, but I can't. I won't show you guys that yet. But <laughs> having a Hub as a widget, kind of living on the device as it does on BlackBerry 10, if that was available like over here, like I could pull from the left and get my Hub, yeah, I mean, it, would be, it would be genius, right? And, and with Marshmallow and some of the other refinements, I mean, adding that in would just seems like a no-brainer to always-on type Hub. Especially when you consider like the Google Now launcher does that. Like I it's think exactly. ideally, I think that's what you know before the proof was released. I think that's what people were actually hoping for. You know, just have that gesture, swipe to the right, and then you have your hub. Now, um, I will say this. If you leave the hub app open, doing that kind of swipe gesture to the right loads it more quickly, but yeah. then it's still going to have to refresh to pull your updates and things like that. So, you know, trade-offs, right, to everything. I personally don't use the hub very much. I haven't disabled it. It's still there. It's still how I check and read my emails. But, again, there's just, like, this, this disconnection between my notifications, whereas on BlackBerry 10... I was happy to read emails. I was happy yeah. to go and respond. It, it seemed like a seamless type thing. Whereas now an email on Priv, an Android moreover, just seems like a chore as opposed to something I'm enjoying and it's an intricate part of me checking my notifications. And again, on, on Hub, on BlackBerry 10, you know, doing those things was all very purposeful. It all kind of 
connected together. Whereas if I was checking my notification for curiosity's sake, I could then very easily just jump into replying to it. Whereas here, you don't have that, right? Curiosity is the notification drawer, right? And then to go out of that and then launch Hub to then go respond when I could have just gone right into the app from the notification drawer, there's just kind of a breakdown. So I totally agree with Blaze where there was a lot of expectation on a better type of Hub implementation. And maybe that's something you know, software-related uh, that can come on a future update. Brandon, you don't have a priv yet, so I'd I just ask wanted, you what, what you want for a priv too, you know, but... I just uh, want to add, add one more like, thing, I though. Would, just, I would like one. <laughs> I would, Brandon wants what I want, a price drop. <laughs> price drop, right? Brandon's got, like, a mortgage and shit now, but he's got to deal with... What did you want to add, Blaze, in terms of a priv too? Ah, uh, the keyboard. I need a bigger keyboard. Like, I need the keys to be a little bit bigger because my fat fingers just simply don't really operate with it very well. Um, it's not, it's, you know, it's not essentially the worst keyboard that BlackBerry has ever put out, but it's still not the best keyboard that BlackBerry has put out. I do believe that they could have done a better job on the actual keyboard itself. You know, yeah. I, th I thought the same thing for a while, but I've really grown to like it. But I have smaller hands now, so, yeah. you know, I will give that as oh, a caveat. before? For, for Alex and I. <laughs> yeah, my hands were huge on Classic, and now they're small. Yeah. But, um... No, but, like, if you pick up a 9900, like, this... Isn't this a little bit wider anyway? So it's, like, it's so weird because at the time, like, you have an old Curve or a 9900, and, like, you get so efficient with that keyboard, and now this feels so small... The only problem I have with this is I feel like there's not enough key travel. It's very flat. So yeah. I feel like the size of the keys, yes, it would never hurt to make it a little bit larger. But, you know, making it a little bit larger, they need to make the device wider. And then the question is how wide are you going to make this device because yeah. it is already fairly wide. Or maybe, you can have it the, the slide way, but I, oh, God, I, I can't. Maybe wider and bigger isn't the appropriate term. Maybe, like... <laughs> I don't know. There's there's something about the keys. Like I absolutely agree with Alex. Like the travel, they're too slim. Like you know, I think they need to be like more sculpted and more raised up. Mm -hmm. That would probably be a better way of of actually addressing my problem. If they were raised up and a little bit more more sculpted, kind of like the old um, 9900 keys and, and stuff like that. Um, yeah. I think that would be more sufficient. Like, just something so that it feels like the keys, like you're actually touching the keys. It's really, it's really hard to explain unless you're, unless you're like me and you don't actually like the keys. Like, anybody yeah. who doesn't like the keys probably gets what I'm saying. Well, you know, the, the weird thing, though, is, like, I've used a Passport and I've used this, and I type quicker on this than I did the Passport because the Passport is very wide, so how far your thumbs need to travel to click a key, it doesn't seem like a big deal, but it does slow me down a bit, whereas this, I'm very quick on the priv. So you actually, as you make the keyboard wider, you actually add more key travel, essentially, that your thumbs are doing, and you're going to be typing slower, but maybe you're more efficient in terms of not having spelling errors and mistakes and things. But, you know, I'm already pretty efficient when it comes to not you know, hitting any accidental keys or anything, but, you know, hand size, it comes down to a lot of different things, preferences, and... Here's what, here's what I'd like for a priv, too. This speaker needs to be legitimate. Right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Don't, this don't this front facing camera shit. needs to be legitimate. What I'd also like is a dual camera module. So I have a camera here, and I have a wide-angle camera here, so that yeah. I could get wide optics. 
so I could take kind of like the LG type cameras where yeah, I could go to a wider, wider angle. Another thing here is if you look at the this device as a, a two-piece component, imagine being able to take this off and put on something else, right? So imagine different kinds of keyboard attachments with different kinds of functionality similar to G5, right? Go into that modular space, but with keyboard attachments, like serious ones, you know? And you take the slider mechanism and can expand it to a kind of larger set of accessories, peripherals, and add-ons to allow users to customize the kind of experience they want. Those are the types of things I would like. I say I would keep the dual curve screen. That's something I think I've really grown accustomed yes. to. I'm with Blaze on the software front. I think a lot more needs to be done. The productivity edge is kind of a joke. Um, Especially now that the Samsung S7 Edge allows more customization. Like, Yeah. yeah. I mean, I it, it's good in concept, right? But I don't want BlackBerry core apps here. I need other things. Like, if yeah. Tasks was Google Keep integrated instead, I'd be in heaven. If Contacts, I actually like Contacts. The hub, it only shows me unread emails. Well, I'm always at inbox zero, so I literally never see anything. No. Um, and then the calendar I like. So it's like two of them I'd keep, two of them I'd change. Just give me like a quick access to my peoples, and uh, I'll, I'll take care of it from there. I, I, I do – yeah, go ahead, please. I'd like to see here's – here's my personal vision of like that option. Like basically I want sort of like the widget functionality. You know how like – when you add a widget to your screen or whatever, um, it provides you with useful information. I would kind of like that to sort of like take over the widget aspect of it. So like if I put an app in there um, in the productivity edge and I tap on the icon, it basically offers me up like the widget scenario so that I can get a quick glance at everything. I don't know if that makes sense. It makes sense in my head. Um, I need Marco to like lock it up for me. <laughs> <laughs> no, I know, exactly, I know exactly what you mean, right? A widget when I want it, but not not over the app icon. You yeah, know? Not, exactly. I mean, pop-up widgets are cool, but if I'm in my browser and I want to check on, you know, my incoming contacts, right, instead of leaving the app or swiping in the hub, just pulling over a quick card to look at those things, makes total sense. I totally agree. We're going to wrap things up here, gentlemen. We've been on for about an hour rambling about everything from BlackBerry Radar to Priv security updates to what we'd like to see on the Priv 2. I want to thank our Earthflow patrons, as always, for keeping this show up and running. If you're interested in supporting us in this continued podcast, you can check us out at berryflow.com forward slash Patreon. Uh, gentlemen, let's hop on an after show, and uh, we'll make fun of Alex falling out of his seat again. <laughs> We'll catch you guys next week. Uh, good to have everybody on. Brandon, yeah. as always, man. Um, good to see you on clean-shaven yeah. and everything. Last time we yeah. saw you, you were kind of grizzly. So, uh. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we'll be back on air on the 20th. Uh, Crackberry's giving away some devices right now, and so check out if you want to get a priv, go check out their contest. We're running a contest on a BlackBerry Leap in white. We are celebrating Leap Year, Leap Day uh, for February 29th. We'll be announcing that in a in a couple weeks here as well. So check out our contest if you're interested in some BlackBerry devices, uh, BlackBerry 10 and or BlackBerry Android. We've got you covered on CrackBerry and Berry Flow. Later, guys. Later. Later. Take care.